Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Wednesday, April 15th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories help us. They let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our just our stories. They're, they're so important. Email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, family, colleagues, people you love, people you hate. Who knows? <laughs> we want these stories to be heard. They're, they're helping. Yes, we as facilitators and storytellers really believe that. Sharing your unique story, as boring as it may seem to you, will resonate with somebody and help us all feel a little bit closer. So today, Christian, we are chatting with Michael Litwack. He's a freelance comedy director based in New York City. Yeah, I would consider him focused and determined and very good at what he does. So I'm definitely interested to hear what he has going on during this great pause, what he's doing to keep busy, and his outlook on what the future holds. Absolutely. But first, it's your turn this time. (laughs) Feelings time. Feelings time. It's Wednesday. I don't know. Middle of week. Is this middle of week four? Yeah, it's fucking tax day, too. Old tax day. New tax day. Old tax day. It's tax day. Well, I'm not paying. I don't know about you. (laughs) A big shout out to Greg Peterson, longtime friend of mine's birthday is today. So just thought Uh, I would. Yeah, I I love to give out those shout outs to. to the tax day birthday kids because <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, yeah so today one day countdown one day till kittens so oh. it's kind of hard to concentrate on anything else that may or may not yeah. be real or negative <laughs> but yeah, um right? i guess the one thing that i feel today would be this slow roll of information where Two more weeks, two more weeks, two more weeks. It's just like, why don't, I mean, I think we've all gotten used to the fact that this is what's happening. So why don't you just level with me and tell me what the reality is? And you've slow rolled it enough. I've gotten used to the idea. Let's go. Just tell me. Yeah. Well, I don't think they know, right? Well, I know that it's all virus dependent. Don't get to me wrong. Um, But I also feel like some realities are. As we've been discussing this week, live shows aren't going to come back until next year. There's just some realities that make it seem as though people getting excited that, you know, where everything's going to be back to normal on May 1st is unrealistic. Oh, completely. That's what I mean. But we've known that. We've known that. We've known that in our hearts. There are different states like, say, Tennessee, where they're planning on opening. That's true. Yes. Right. And so you and I may know that because we're here, but, you know, our families and what affects everybody affects us still because of the tried and true theory of room tone. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's all. I'm not going to go down this big long road of saying like kittens are coming tomorrow and I'm a little frustrated still and I'm in it for the long haul. So I just is preparing to be prepared. That's all. Yeah. 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 So how are you today? How was your night last night? I had one of those weird nights that I haven't had in quite a while. It's funny. I had a, a weird night, but a good morning. So like weird night, couldn't sleep had weird, very fractured dreams, and I don't remember any of them to be able to recount them. Just uncomfortable, moody dreams, and just awake. You know, just one of those yucky nights, right? Morning, one of the first few mornings 
since this all started that I didn't open my eyes and grab my phone to read headlines. Oh. To look at the news. Oh. Didn't do it at all. Oh. Didn't even do it until I got dressed, got downstairs, got to my computer to prep the show today, and that's when I looked. That's a first. Four and a half weeks in, right? Every morning I crack my eyes open at whenever, 6 a.m., grab my phone, open up whatever news app I can. So I didn't I realize a that's a huge step. I oh, mean, yeah, how did, that's always, how did yeah. I mean, did you did you miss it? Was it intentional? Did you just forget? Nope. Um, somewhere down the middle. I nice. knew it was a habit and I was like, you know what, I don't feel like I need to today. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't. I think I was just so frustrated from last <laughs> night. <laughs> My news update is a, a big point of frustration. But before we get to the news, I want to tell you, I did the subscription challenge. Oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> oh, great. Now, Amazing. I, I don't want to go through I don't want to go through it today. I just wanted to tease it. I think we should go through it tomorrow. We okay. have a pretty full show today and I didn't total it all up. So, I want to run the numbers like a good producer would and then come back to you tomorrow with the full report. Okay. But I just want to let you know I did it last night and uh, and it was uh, fun the and I found some on. surprises. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, for the listeners who haven't heard, our subscription challenge is to get out your credit card statements for the last month before the pandemic. And find any subscriptions that you can just let go. Like, do you really need both Pandora and Spotify? Do you need uh, HBO and Showtime? Do you need all the meal apps? I mean, if it brings you joy right now because you need to watch stuff to get through this, by all means. Right. But, you know, it's time to tighten the belt. And that's one easy because we're a subscription to death in this country. So, you know, there's stuff on there I didn't realize I had. So uh, I trimmed some stuff, uh, which is good. Yes, I'm excited to talk about this tomorrow so tomorrow yeah yeah Yeah. also put some pressure on which is fine i work better (laughs) under pressure you know we get more i know we all do we all do do. as producers as production crew (laughs) yeah give me 10 tasks eight of them will be done immediately and the other two will be procrastinated till the deadline (laughs) (laughs) so just kind of a thing i love to thrive on so (laughs) great well pressure on got it let's do this pressure on all right I also want to talk about, this is my news update for the day. It's not necessarily news, but it has to do with the EIDL claim from the CARES Act, right? Which you signed up for. Yes. I signed up for the $10,000 grant. Yes. Plus the option to take out a loan for your company, Mm because Chris and I both operate under corporations, as many people do in film. Right. I saw a post on Facebook. I ignored it. Then I got a text from my friend about the same subject, and I was Uh like, fuck, this is real. And then I looked it up, found an article in Inc.com, incmagazine.com, okay. mm-hmm. that they changed the rules on that $10,000 grant. <sighs> yes. How, the, they changed the rules. There are now new caveats. The U.S. <laughs> Small Business Administration's Massachusetts District, and I don't know what that has to do with it because apparently it's going to be nationwide, announced in a bulletin, and this happened a while ago, and we didn't even know, April 6th, Hmm. that nationwide, the SBA has decided to implement a $1,000 cap per employee on the advance, up to a maximum of $10,000. So, Christian, how many employees do you have in your company? One. Right. And Lawrence? You're going to get a... I have one. (laughs) So, we're going to get from that $10,000 grant one fucking thousand dollars. 
That doesn't even begin to cover the operating costs of Tom's daughter's productions. <laughs> no, it does not. This the overhead not. alone is more than that. It doesn't, co- doesn't, doesn't afford the uh, production office, a.k.a. my house. It doesn't wow. afford it. Any that's not it. even what yeah. my accountant will charge me to do so, it. So no. that's fucked. Oh, no, no, no. That's fucked. Yeah. So this is really, really infuriating. I Nobody knew that they could just all of a sudden change, change the rules. And mm-hmm. not tell anybody about it. So here's what the article in Inc. magazine said. The original Coronavirus AIDS Relief and Economic Securities Act, CARES Act legislation directed that the SBA – oh, this is another topic. This isn't even about – that was it. That's just the story. $1,000. That's what you get. But issuing those loans to businesses originally was you're going to get the money within three days of when the request was yep, received. I remember, remember that? that? Yep. How long? How long ago did you apply? Uh, well, the beginning a of last ago. week. Yeah, like something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the three day stipulation. Them. I mean, either the three day stipulation seems to have gone out the window as well. <laughs> and somebody, sorry, I don't have the attribute for this quote. My. I'm a terrible journalist. Uh, Overwhelming (laughs) interest in the program has slowed the process. This makes it difficult to estimate when applicants will receive the advanced. Mm -hmm. And then Ami Kassar, founder of Lending Advisory Firm Multifunding, who has been in contact with hundreds of business owners throughout this crisis, says he is not aware of any business that has yet to receive their EIDL advances. That's bullshit. It's really, really infuriating. I'm at a loss of where, I mean, of course, I'm just getting this information live, folks. Um, But it feels like the policy was implemented with with some loose guidelines, and they figured out what was, and then they changed it to make it work for the demand, which is bullshit. I mean, this is insane. Not a lot of thought was put into this, it seems. So I was talking to a friend of mine, and mm-hmm. you know he was flabbergasted as well. And he he works in live events. He's audio video guru, video right. projection, projection mapping, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know he saw that same article we talked about yesterday. And so he's stressed, obviously. Yeah. And then read this, got an email from Chase Bank. He applied directly on the SBA website, mm-hmm. didn't hear anything. Got an email from Chase Bank because I guess that's where they send it to. Right saying, you know, you may qualify for $1,000. We'll get back to you soon. And that's about it. <laughs> so it's we were having this conversation, and it's like, I'm, I'm again, existential crisis number, you know, 822 uh, yesterday, that I was very fortunate to have a really good year, and I was really looking forward to stashing that money away. Right. Because I'm terrible about my retirement account. Oh, yeah. Terrible. I mean, we all are, right? So I was really right. looking forward to putting that money away in an investment somehow, some way, and now, if live events aren't coming back until right. fall of next year, big film shoot. There's going to be work. I'm not afraid of making money to live. But there's the film shoots, the way we have been working, probably won't come back for quite a while. Right. There's going to be small shoots, mm-hmm. small jobs. More hustle. And if that means I have to live off of the savings that I have, all that work I did last year is just going to disappear and rob it from my retirement account, right? It's... Unless yeah. there's some sort of actual funding comes in to protect the money I earned last year. Well, it sounds like what they're what they're doing is instead of giving you what um, would help you keep your business open, they've only have so much. So now they're going to spread it out and give everybody two or three dollars. Yeah. So everybody gets something, but it's not going to help anybody. 
It's no. not going to be enough to help any it's of not. us. But what it will do is frustrate us <laughs> and give us enough to, <sighs> you know, like cover the mortgage or the electric bill. And again, every time we talk about one month, I know. Yeah. And every time we talk about this kind of thing, I do want to acknowledge there are people that can't afford groceries this week. I know that we're in a privileged situation mm-hmm. because of the work we do to be able to eat and keep our houses and pay our rents. But this is very a frustrating thing. That, of course. And it doesn't negate you know. the um, hard work that we did to get to this point either. Exactly. And exactly. the and the work that we do to hire other individuals. And, you exactly. know, we're part of the process as well. And so it if we're going through this, everybody's going through this. And yeah. it yanks that little bit of hope that you have right out from under you. Because what, what yeah. else? They can change something else that they said they were going to do. Oh, yeah, completely. Well, they have been changing, as we know. Yeah. You know, that Rose Garden discussion of all these private businesses opening up their parking lots and <laughs> yeah. facilitating testing and drive-through testing and all that, all that stuff didn't happen either. I, I can't believe we missed this. This is pretty crazy. Well, I think that's the other thing. This happened so quietly that when I saw somebody post about it, you know, there's that new Facebook group, Entertainment Industry and COVID-19. I don't remember the full name of it, but somebody posted it in there and I said, surely that must be an incorrect message that they got, $1,000, because Mm -hmm. all the information we've been reading and talking about is Mm $10,000. So I kind of politely ignored it. And then my friend texted me and I was like, oh, man. That's nuts. So, yeah. That's it. That's my news update. That's it. That's my news. Well, so um, what you got next? Because I don't have anything today. I'm too frustrated to look at the news. That's, that's totally fine. <laughs> um, we have some voice memos. Oh, Betsy Nagler. Oh, I love Betsy. She, I've, oh, I haven't seen her in 10 plus years. Uh, yeah, really? I knew her when she was a boom operator. So uh-huh. she's gone on to do huge things since then. So... Well, she sent in a voice memo. Let's take a listen. This is Betsy Nagler. I am a filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York, and I earn my living doing location sound and freelance video editing. I have no paying work right now. All union production work in New York is shut down. And as an editor, I can work remotely, but I haven't had a paying editing gig since the week before the shutdown. But I guess I am lucky because I have a lot of creative projects of my own that I now actually get to work on. I have a new documentary, which I can't shoot right now, but I'm starting to edit that. I'm a producer on a podcast called Mobilize, and we are lining up some Skype interviews to talk with state government officials and medical personnel about the local fight against COVID-19. I also work with a group called Collective Agency that makes social media videos for progressive political causes and nonprofits. And last week, I created some gifts for an organization called NYC Makes PPE, which makes face shields and masks for frontline workers. And I also always have some writing projects going. I write a blog. I've been working on a novel that I just finished a draft of, so I can actually thank the virus for that. And the next thing on my list is a pilot script I started last year. So I guess my advice for folks like me who are out of work is just to try and enjoy the additional time we have right now. I see my colleagues on Instagram and Facebook making art or just cooking a ton or doing fun things with their families. We're all doing conference calls with friends we don't usually talk to. So I'm just trying to make something positive out of all of this time that I suddenly have. And I hope other people can do that too. So positive and I love it. I mean, so positive. 
<sighs> if um, she's making things happen, she's got all these other projects. I'm really curious about her podcast. Oh yeah, totally. I definitely want to check that out. I'm writing that down right now. It's called Mobilized. I want to look it up. I want to hear it. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And too, if anybody's interested, you should follow her on Instagram because she also takes photos of those, you know, those little coin-operated writing machines out in front of grocery stores? Yeah. She takes photos of the, of random ones she comes across on her walks in New York City, and some of them are fantastic, and some of them are so creepy. One of her photos will come across <laughs> your Instagram, you're like, oh, what is that? Is that like a poor man's Donald Duck? Yep. <laughs> Cool. So anyway, thanks, Betsy. So her, we really appreciate it. Her name is Betsy Nagler, N-A-G-L-E-R, if you want to try and find her on Instagram. Yeah, check out our podcast, too. Yeah, mobilized. All right, here we have another one. This is a, this is a second voice memo from Jacob Ooh. Patterson from the Think Tank Gallery because, and I was texting him yesterday, on Tuesday there was that EDD Zoom webinar. Right. Employment Development Department Zoom webinar. That's the Unemployment Insurance Office for California they did a Zoom webinar with IATSE, DGA, SAG, all these union representatives. And mm-hmm. he listened because he's in the events industry. He offered a little report. So let's take a listen. Ooh. Hey, Larry, what's up? It's your friend Jacob Patterson once again from Think Tank Gallery. Still here in Skid Row, still in my giant warehouse, still quarantined, still listening to your show every day. And still benefiting from going through your subscription challenge. I'm still not paying most of my subscriptions or rent. Um, I've also taken up uh, next step, essentially, of this subscription challenge, which is going through and trying to find all the different relief programs and unemployment benefits and stimulus package checks and, and, and all the different stuff like that that I can benefit from. One thing that was very useful was the webinar that you guys shared on your show, which took place on the morning of uh, Tuesday, April 14th. So they didn't allow anybody to record the webinar. So I I went ahead and screenshotted most, if not all of the frames um, until they kind of got to like the FAQ section, which was like really highly specific. But all the the general stuff, which was primarily aimed at uh, independent contractors, I screen kept. And some of the big takeaways were things like they don't want independent contractors applying yet. They they actually had suspended independent contractor unemployment indefinitely right after I applied. They're saying now that they're getting the system ready for it and it should be ready. They're hoping by the end of this week, by Friday, for independent contractors to apply in the state of California. But they don't want anyone applying until that because they don't want their application getting lost in the system, which would require a real-life person to reach out to you, which will end up taking way longer, supposedly. I had already applied, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners had already applied way in the past, and I just bullied my way through the system and wrote COVID-19 everywhere that I possibly could and um, was lucky enough on Monday to uh, get pushed from the next step from the status of what the hell is going on to a more official status of pending. And I luckily benefited from the CFO of the great company, the experiential agency I work with, screen sharing and walking me through the process, which was great. And so I included a screen cap of what my landing page on the EDD website looks like. So that's in there as well. But uh, if anyone has any other questions on it, they can feel free to reach out to me. 
feel free to share any of my info that you want. All those frames are in there. Some might be kind of confusing without the EDD representative explaining them because she did a really good job at that. There's a lot of really helpful information in there. So I, I just kind of threw it all in there. Side note, highlight of the week, our submission got accepted for a big grant that we're working on that I think will be of great interest to you guys. It's very uh, relevant to this community. So be on the lookout for more information on that. Have a good week, you guys, and stay safe. Whoa, a teaser, Jacob. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Ending with a teaser. By this community, he means uh, the live event, immersive, Mm -hmm. experiential community, which is interesting. Yeah, he told me about that. I don't know what it is, but I'm looking forward to finding out more. So if anybody wants to get a hold of Jacob and learn more about that EDD seminar, you can get him at thinktank.gallery. That's his website. I'm sure you can get him through that. Uh, He did screen grab everything. There's some personal information in there, so he doesn't want us to share it far and wide. But if anybody wants to reach out to him directly, that's how you get a hold of him, and he can help share with you what he learned from that seminar. I I think Sandrine kind of mentioned that to us, that they wanted people to hold off if they're independent contractors. But it sounds like that's still the case. They haven't even implemented that portion yet for, for unemployment insurance here in California. I feel like it's hard to hold off when you need money. Right. Yeah, I know. So I understand that all of these systems are antiquated and that they've been around for 40, 50 years. I saw Governor Cuomo asking for coders who knew like software from 40 years ago. (laughs) Really? Yeah, the state was reaching out to people who understood the, you know, computer language from 30 or 40 years ago. Just, and I'm assuming it's for this, you know what I mean? So, because that's what the system is. I, I understand all those things, but I also, again, I just, I think frustrated is the word of the day. Yeah, that if they're, if they're not going to totally. cancel rent or any of those things, then yeah. how can <laughs> then how can they how expect can, for people to we, wait? Yeah, no idea. Yeah. All right, everybody, don't forget to go and sign the no rent NYC petition that we have on our take action page, please. It's the 15th, halfway there to the first, which is another rent payment that uh, a lot of us mm-hmm. have. So take some action there. And then there's also the Live Events Coalition website. They have a petition to make sure that the live events industry gets recognition at the federal level because it's a massive industry and it needs to have some sort of relief package aimed directly at it. Donate blood. Everybody needs it. All states are hurting right now. Blood is definitely, there's a shortage. So please get out there. If you can safely leave your house, make an appointment and donate some blood. And save the U.S. Post Office, this is another thing. It's I don't want to get too political, but it's happening behind the scenes that some people in Congress are trying to defund the post office so it collapses and then a private company can come in and operate as our post office. If your grandmother gets your, her medication for $3 in the mail, it's going to be $15. And then voting by mail comes into question as well. So there's a petition in there for that. Go to globetops.com if you have any laptops laying around. You know, um, in this industry, we usually upgrade our laptop every three to four years, which means by this point, folks, you should have at least two or three (laughs) laying around your house. (laughs) Please consider donating them to globetops.com. They repurpose them and give them to children in need. And then lastly, well, not lastly, because I'm going to add one more today, Christian, but there's the IADA Filmmaker's Guide to Applying for U.S. Coronavirus. Mm-hmm. It's very explanatory, lots of detail on there. But today I'm going to add a new one, Projection, Lighting, and Staging News. It's an online magazine called PLSN. Mm-hmm. And FOH Magazine, for a House Magazine, they've launched the COVID-19 Entertainment Technology Economic Impact 
survey. Okay. This kind of mirrors what the Live Events Coalition is doing, but it's a detailed survey in an attempt to help define the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic is having on the lives of individuals and businesses in the entertainment technology sector. So this is what ah. they're saying on the website. We highly encourage everyone receiving an invitation to participate in the survey. This will provide key data as to what is happening in the aggregate within the industry. The results of the survey will be shared with lawmakers in Washington, D.C. to help them understand the economic impact our industry has had to endure. So please help us provide the most accurate data possible for this devastating impact to our industry, to those who are best able to help us get through it. So I'm providing a link in there for that. Nice. All right, Christian, should we get on with our interview? Yes, I'm very excited. Yes. Uh, Michael Litwack is a Brooklyn-based filmmaker that was born and raised in Los Angeles. He likes to tell character-driven stories that embrace the absurd, often through a lens of classic genre filmmaking. He's directed ads and branded content for Subway, Burger King, Squarespace, Elite Daily, Vox Media, Spotify, Snapchat, Keystone Light, just to name a few. And he's currently developing a TV series with Paul Fagg's new digital studio Power Keg and a feature film adaptation of Chaos and Danger with Dan Harmon's Starburns Industries. Ooh, that was a mouthful, Michael. Yeah, he also yeah. <laughs> he also sold a pilot to Sony, two feature scripts to independent producers, and directed Snatchers season three for Warner Brothers. So busy! Wow, let's take a listen. So, Michael, we'd love to check in with you and see how you're doing, how your family doing. Um, you're in Brooklyn, that much I know. Correct. So, how's it going? It's going pretty good. It's it's a little bit surreal because I feel like normally when there's some sort of natural disaster, you you know, I feel like the only thing I have to compare it to is like Hurricane Sandy because I wasn't in New York on 9-11. You know, I, I think when you have a hurricane or something, you go outside and you see down branches and, and you sort of like you walk outside and you feel like it's there's something like big visual. going on. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. a very clear visual aid to put sort of a a face to the name and you have that in a certain sense with everybody in masks but it is weird to go out and it's sunny and beautiful and the birds are chirping and you know that like thousands of people are dying every day but like it's not directly affecting me that much because uh, at least like on a day-to-day level because I normally work from home and things have obviously been upended in terms of you know I've lost a bunch of gigs but you know luckily I'm very grateful that no one I directly know has been hurt by it. And, you know, I think a lot of us started quarantining pretty early and were able to avoid some of the insanity as a result. So, Michael, give us a little bit of background on yourself. You know, we have your bio and we read a little introduction, but give us a little background on yourself and your career path and everything that was kind of leading up to when the pandemic took hold. Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles and I kind of knew from time I was nine or 10 years old that I wanted to make movies. And I started working on set when I was like 16, just as an intern and was really able to do that because LA has so many opportunities like that. And I, I, I like LA, but I wanted something different. So I decided to go to New York and went to NYU film school and kind of just started making my own stuff and trying to figure out my own voice and figure out what kind of movies I wanted to make. Throughout film school, I, I worked with a lot of different people and sort of picked up different skills and and worked as an editor and also as an assistant director and gained a lot of experience that way. And then, you know, I made my thesis film, The Life and Death of Tommy Chaos and Stacey Danger. And I was very fortunate that that played at festivals and, and was able to get me representation. Since then, I kind of split my income 
between director for hire jobs where I come in and get a creative brief from an ad agency and there's various levels of how involved I am. Sometimes I just come in and execute. Sometimes I work with them on the idea and help them elevate it and sort of bring my skills as a comedy director. And so I split my income between commercial directing and then I also do development deals and sort of pitch my own scripts to different companies. And then I also have my personal projects. And, you know, a lot of these things are very big projects that are very start and stop. And so I kind of mm-hmm. like to have a lot of different things going at once. And then I, I basically worked as an editor for the first couple of years out of school and then was able to transition into writing and directing uh, full time. And I think what's interesting about the the quarantine is it's showing a lot of people how unsustainable certain lifestyles are. You know, I think everyone builds their website and tries to put up this front of I'm much more professional than I actually am. And there's a normal level level of like imposter syndrome and anything like this. Mm -hmm. But I think that a lot of us are basically like just getting by. And, you know, I'm able to support myself as a director, but it's really is like by the skin of my teeth. And uh, as a result, I don't have a lot of savings and I don't really have a huge safety net. And, you know, I think that when you have something like this that happened where, you know, I normally live gig to gig and as a commercial director, lots of things pop up and then lots of things fall through. So that's not abnormal. But I think people are realizing that, you know, there are these bigger systemic problems that are coming to the forefront when a system that's already strained to begin with is then put under additional strain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So did you have projects in the works when all of this went down, say, second week in March? Yeah, I mean, I had just attached cast to my feature, and that was a process that took four to five months to do uh, off of a script that I've been working on for four to five years. And uh, we were about to take it out to independent financiers. And, you know, we basically just pumped the brakes completely. Mm -hmm. That's realistically probably going to set us back six to 12 months. But, you know, it's strange because in a weird way, you know, I've had other projects fall through before and this one hasn't fully fallen through yet. We still are optimistic that we have a good chance of getting it made and we're, we're looking into sort of backup plans and alternate paths forward. But when you have a project that's falling through, normally you sort of ask yourself like, oh man, could I have done something different? Did I make the wrong decision? And with this, it's a little bit less stressful because I know that it was nothing that I did that ended up causing this delay, you know, and and still frustrating, but, you know, (laughs) in a way it allows you to be a little bit more zen because you know that everyone's going through the exact same thing and that you aren't alone in it. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's something we've talked about often is that, you know, normally for freelancers like us, you know, seeing an empty calendar (laughs) for the rest (laughs) of the year is a little frightening, but we're all laughing about it because it's not because we've been lazy or bad at our last job or whatever. So uh, we're all in it together. We all are kind of in limbo waiting to see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a normal amount of kind of uncertainty that I've been able to learn to live with. And I think that's anyone who becomes a freelancer after whether it's school or, or whatever part of your life, whether you came from a stable job, you know, having that structure, you learn to build habits that support that lifestyle and and you give yourself things to do and and you sort of build your own routine and and find ways to deal with that uncertainty because I feel like nine out of 10, at least as a director, commercial jobs, you get put up for them and then you never hear anything back and that's just the way things go and and it's okay. But you know, you sort of have a faith like after you've been doing it for a while that you're like, something will pop up eventually. It's okay. I don't don't need to freak out. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's only been 
four to six weeks or so since my last job ended. And mm-hmm. that's not an insane amount of time to be exactly. unemployed as a, as a director, knowing that there, there isn't really like a light at the end of the tunnel yet is what is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any conversations with any of these clients about potential work either now or in the very near future? Yeah, actually, you know, I had two remote gigs that popped up and one of them was very appealing and it was a frustrating, it was a very frustrating situation because this internal agency at a very big national brand hit up one of the companies that I work with and they opened it with, you know, we, we really feel for all small businesses during this time and we really want to, you know, support creators and artists and blah, blah, blah. And then they also specifically called me out as a director, which like doesn't happen that often. They were like, we want to work with Michael. And I was like, oh my God, who, me? Oh, okay. It was Tuesday and they were like, we're shooting on Saturday and it's all remote. It would be a national ad campaign and it was a really big opportunity and probably would have held me over throughout all of quarantine. They made us rush to put together a bid you know, and they were like, we'll tell you tomorrow. And then they just straight up ghosted us. It was just, it was so rude. It would be rude in normal times, but like, they like angle this parrot Mm. in front of us in a time like this. It was just like, come on guys, really? You know exactly what we're all going through. And then to have those bad practices going in the midst of something like, it was very frustrating, but yeah. It happens and, and you move on. And Can I just walk out on a limb here and assume it was one of those remote directing with, you know, people in their houses type thing? Because I yeah. think that that's what the majority of us are getting the feels for right now. Yes. So pivoting a little bit, what are you doing to create during this time? Or what are you keeping busy with? What are you, how are you remaining Sane. Sane, I guess. Active, inspired, yeah. sane. Yeah, all the above. <laughs> Take your pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big proselytizer of, of hobbies in general. You know, I think <laughs> they are the thing that keep you from going crazy in living a lifestyle that has so much uncertainty to begin mm-hmm. with. But a couple of the things that I've discovered, I found this app called Down Dog, and it's like a, a workout at home app. I go to yoga once a week and I really like that. And they basically like generate a yoga sequence for you to do and you can sort of set how long you want to do it. And it's interesting from a filmmaker perspective, they've built an algorithm that can then edit together these videos of people doing these poses. It's interesting on that level. And then it also just like helps me relieve stress. And the other thing I've been recommending to people is there's this other app called Musician, Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N, Musician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a like learn an instrument on your phone app. It's, It's a little bit like Guitar Hero, but it like works with real instruments. And so it again has like a kind of curriculum built into the app for you. And it, I think when you're a productivity junkie, that becomes, uh, you become addicted to it. You know, the other thing I've been doing is trying to draw comics. I I think this is something that I've been thinking about a, a, a lot where when you work in film and television, making a movie is so expensive and requires so many people. The reason you love doing it is because it activates a very specific part of your brain. And, you know, I kind of realized recently that like cartooning basically uses all of those same skills and it doesn't require you to have 15 or 20 people. And a lot of the stuff I do is science fiction, fantasy, comedy, and a lot of the techniques I use to do those things come from sort of this like independent DIY filmmaking perspective of, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I pull off these like giant Hollywood effects, but with uh, you know, money. And I've found just drawing and cartooning to be an outlet in a time like this. And it's really liberating to just draw something that 
I will lose nothing if no one thinks it's funny. Um, <laughs> right, right. That's been keeping me sane. And then sort of like related to that, there's all these great tutorials on Adobe Illustrator right. online and mm. on like Adobe's home site where you can go and download their like practice files. And that's one of the other things I've been trying to do is like get better at Illustrator and, you know, hopefully will help me in other ways down the line when I'm building a pitch or something. I am exhausted just listening to all this work that you are doing. (laughs) No, you're being so proactive. That's great. (laughs) It was interesting you talking about animation or or cartooning because it doesn't take require that many people. And I think that's one of the big questions a lot of, you know, film crew and us are having about what does film production look like coming out of this, whether it's TV or commercial or whatever. Trying to understand that is something I think we're all going through. Do you have a vision of what film production could look like coming out of this, you know? staggering back slowly to small crews back to bigger crews or is it a permanent change in the amount of people it takes to do the work or the workflow yeah it's hard to answer because i also think like the industry works in a lot of different ways at a lot of different levels and yeah i feel like before this was all happening sort of like the talk at least in the commercial industry was like budgets are going down agencies are moving in-house bigger directors are taking a step down. And as a result, things are getting way more competitive mm-hmm. and it's never been harder. And, you know, there've also been like really good initiatives like free the bid and, and a push for diversity. And so like things have, things have always changed really fast and have been unpredictable. So it's hard to say like where things will go at the lowest end of things, you know, like mm-hmm. I think independent film, it was like kind of this house of cards beforehand and has always been mm-hmm. this house of cards that like is potentially going to collapse and, and have a lot of people reevaluating what their almost non-existent business models were in the first place. I think <laughs> advertising and, and commercials is like, is a separate question, but right. then there's, there's also the question of people that have 20 years of experience versus a director like me who has 20 or so spots, but like there's still a long way to go up, I guess. Yeah, I think things are going to start up again, but when the economy goes down, budgets are going to go down. I think rates are going to go down. I think virtual production is going to go up in terms of like stuff like the Mandalorian where you're building things in 3D and you don't have as much costs in terms of what you have to build on set. Things will obviously, you know, pick back up again. The question is just like how widespread it will be and and how fast it will be. I don't think the economy is is like a switch that can be sort of like flip like a binary um, on and off. I think it's going to it's going to ramp up slowly. You know, I I read this newsletter by this guy, Brian Newman, and he quoted, I think it's a Warren Buffett quote where it's like, it's not until the tide goes out that you see who's swimming naked. And Mm. it's basically talking about how, you know, I think the crisis will expose a lot of the like bullshit of the industry. And there's plenty of problems within the ad industry that could be solved. And I think if there's anything positive that that can come out of this, it's a potentially a reevaluation of how things are done because I do think there's a ton of time wasted on overcomplicated bid processes and pitting companies against each other. And it's really hard to have organized labor when it's in a complicated industry that's built around sort of like from from gig to gig. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about moving forward and have gotten a lot of responses where we, as production companies who were the experts, right, we should be instructing how this industry goes versus 
wanting to get the job and the money in. So we'll mold ourselves around the ask of the client or agent versus saying, no, this is the structure that we have, which takes care of people. So moving forward out of this, very desirable to be able to figure out or get back to that model so that we can begin to take care of people versus just a big scramble to undercut each other just to get Mm -hmm. the, the job, which is basically what has been happening for years since 2008, I would say, you know, after the Great Recession. We really appreciate your time today. And as a parting thought, we'd love to know, not that anything is ever going to be what we considered before normal <laughs> or normal is a bad mm. word or any of that. But what do you, what are you looking forward to when this is over? It could be as simple as, you know, getting wings from your favorite place or having a slice <laughs> at a counter versus getting <laughs> order in or, you know, anything world peace. i'm looking forward to making movies i mean i think that's what we all got into this for is that we like we like we chose to do something for that i guess we call work because we like it and um you know that maybe part of the reason why we can we get taken advantage of is because in a lot of ways we would do this for free if we had to you know i think it's because we really love what we do. And Mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm looking forward to getting a beer at a bar. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like working out of a cafe um, during the day. Yeah. That's something I only did like once a week, but I don't think I realized how much that like just stepping out of my house once a week and um, working somewhere else, what it does for your mental health. Um, totally. Or or what a, a nice draft of cold, frosty Coors Light would do for my health right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I completely agree. So with friends in a dark, dark bar somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere. Wow. So well thank well, you. Michael, thank you so much. Of yeah. course. Thank, thank you for you having for your me. Time. I, no, um, I think this is great. Thank you. Yeah. The only other thing would be that I have a mailing list on my website or oh, yes, a newsletter. Okay every two weeks that sort of just, it's not really that self-promotional. It mostly just sort of talks about what I'm interested in and what I'm doing. And Oh, wow. What's your website? Uh, MichaelLitwack.com. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-L-I-T-W-A-K. Great. It's not spammy. Right. and yeah. <laughs> Not spammy. Uh, just informational. Yeah. It's sort of just a Great. collection of stuff that I've seen that I like and want to share with people. Um, nice. Awesome. So we'll we'll include it in the show notes for sure. Right. Thank you so much. Been a Thank pleasure. you so much, Michael. Thank you, guys. Right. Okay. As you know, Lawrence, I had suggested bringing Michael on because I felt yeah. like his structure, I think from a creative standpoint, because we got a whole structure breakdown from Josh Jupiter, right? Yes. So from uh, Michael's standpoint, it's structured, but it's creative structure too. Mm-hmm. Like he's thrown in some, you know, wild cards there. And I thought it was, you know, so open, but also constructive. I really, I interested in this whole Mandalorian style production thing that he talked about. Mm -hmm. That is, that's really interesting. And I saw some company, I don't know, on LinkedIn or Instagram promoting their little studio that they have a studio or they made a studio in their office space. Okay. And it's kind of a studio with multiple cameras and that they can operate remotely. That's a far cry from a Mandalorian style (laughs) production studio. (laughs) But thinking of that on a small to big scale, a safe space, maybe there's one person who operates it from a booth behind glass, mm-hmm. 
or remotely. You can tie in your agency and whatever, and it's a white box. You can do whatever you want. You can replace the background. This is opening this kind of more interesting concept of virtual production that I think is really interesting. So that the way I don't know if you've seen how Mandalorian Mm -hmm. does it, you know, it's this dome that's all the backgrounds are all created by LED screens and CG and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's, it's a really interesting concept. It is. I've Um, um, tested those screens before and you can do anything these days with it. You just need the wall of, you know, LED screen and then you go to town. Yeah. With a three camera setup and you mark it, you light it, all those things, go walk away. You have your talent come in and just do what they need to do within their parameters. It's very interesting. He's right though. When it comes to scale, that our industry has yes. a scale of maybe 10 people on a set doing a doc style thing or mm. a tabletop versus, you know, 100 people out filming on the streets of L.A. or New York. So the scale is, you know, I take that to mean that we're going to be scaling up slowly our productions. Very slowly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But he seems so flexible and so just open to the possibilities as long as he gets to create. I mean, he's cartooning right now. My God. I know. You should go <laughs> to his Instagram, Lawrence. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll tag you on a few. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> well, special thanks to Michael Litwack for joining us today. Yes. Thank you, Michael. Who do, we, who do we have tomorrow, Christian? Oh, tomorrow we have Chris Weisenham. So he's fantastic. He's the key grip here in New York. And um, we're going to get some real straightforward honesty out of that guy. Plus, nice. I think he's been struggling a little bit because he doesn't have any taste or smell right now. So we're oh, probably no. going, well, you know, yeah. we're probably going to get like a personal with him, which I, I think that I'm interested in hearing. I hope everyone else is as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. But that's it for today, right? That is it for today. Okay, everybody. Stay safe. Stay connected. Stay active. And please, please stay home. Don't forget to stop touching your face, which I have to say that I regressed (laughs) back to just face touching during this one. So I feel uh, bad. I did. But, you know, honestly, I knew where my hands had been. (laughs) So, But I'm going to wash them the moment I get up. And if you do need to leave the house, please wear a mask. And be sure to send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? You can get me at lawrencetlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. How about you, Christian? People can get me at sisterchristianproduces.com. All right. So that's it. That's us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.